Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Murphy Houston. And it's time once again for another edition of Mile High Magazine. We're glad to see you all here today. I am Murphy Houston, and tomorrow is World Stroke Day. And the American Stroke Association is out to educate you about the warning signs and what it's all about so you can be prepared. Our special guest today, Dr. Benjamin Atchie, a member of the neurovascular team at Swedish Medical Center, and stroke survivor Mary Ann Orr. Doctor, thanks for coming. Thank you. Mary Ann, thank you for coming in today. My pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you all here. So World Stroke Day is tomorrow, and uh, maybe we should just start off by saying what's a stroke, Doc? Sure, yeah. Well, stroke is a disease that affects nearly 800,000 people a year in the United States. It's the fifth leading cause of death in the United States, and it's the number one cause of uh, disability. So it's it's a big problem, and essentially what it is is a neurologic deficit caused by one of two two uh, uh, mechanisms. Either a blood vessel is blocked, which deprives the brain of blood flow, um, or a blood vessel has burst. Um, the most common one is the blockage form, which uh, encompasses about 85% of strokes. And what causes that? Well, there are a lot of different causes. Um, when we talk about ischemic stroke, which is the, the blood vessel blockage type of stroke, the most common reason is a blood clot that forms in the heart. Um, another common reason is uh, blocked carotid arteries. And those two, um, two underlying causes tend to make up the most, the most common reasons for strokes. And how frequent are strokes? Is it a fairly common uh, occurrence in people's lives? Well, it affects about uh, one in six Americans uh, eventually in their life, so it is a very common problem. And it isn't necessarily fatal as we're about to find out but not always no no no, but certainly can be about a quarter of the patients who have a stroke will eventually uh, unfortunately pass away but there is a chance for recovery and there are a lot of new treatments available now that um, have decreased um, the fatality of this disease well and there there's no advanced symptoms is there it just kind of happens like a headache comes on or something like yeah most of most of the time so the the root word of stroke is a latin a latin word that uh, means strike so often it is a very sudden onset of symptoms um that can be very mild and sometimes confusing um, to very severe and obvious uh, symptoms that require immediate attention. Well, we're going to talk more about that, and we're going to talk about the acronym FAST, F-A-S-T, and what that's all about. Something easy to remember, something you should be aware of. But we're lucky to have Mary Ann Orr, a stroke survivor, with us. And Mary Ann, I'm not going to ask your age, but obviously you're a lot younger than me. Well, I'm 42. And how old were you when you had the stroke? <laughs> so... Um, this November, it will be 10 years. I was 32 oh years my gosh. old, very young, mother of three boys, and certainly not a candidate for stroke in terms of what the perception right. is. So yeah, at 32, I had a blood clot that formed in my body, probably my heart, and went to my brain. And um, I did have a couple mini strokes that went undiagnosed um, the day before. I just didn't really know what was happening. And then um, eventually the blood clot blocked the artery in my brain and caused the stroke. What were the symptoms you felt? Was it like a dizziness or a headache? Well, or? I didn't have a headache. And, you know, for me, I woke up um, in the morning and didn't quite feel right all day and was at a restaurant here lo- local in, mm-hmm. the, in the front range. And um, my first symptom, I was at a table um, with people I didn't know well at all. I had just met that evening and um, my husband left to um, 
take care of our kids and he would be back. But my first symptom was um, I thought the waiter was touching my arm, trying to get my attention. And when I looked down, it was my own hand touching my arm. And I thought that didn't make sense at all. Wow. No. And had my wedding ring on it. And, you know, some people might have heard other um, stroke stories, but um, the next thing that happened was I lost language, the ability to communicate. And the two women I were with were so kind, but I, you know, they sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher to me. And I, I was very confused about what was happening and this was all happening in a restaurant and um, they called the ambulance and I went to a local hospital, but because I didn't fit the profile of a stroke victim, even though um, I was, I was called in as a possible stroke. um, I sat in in an emergency room for quite a long time before getting medical treatment. Oh, that's not good. mm -hmm, Yeah. But now I mean, a lot of advancements have been made in 10 years, but, um, you know, there, there is a lot that can be done if you get medical treatment right away. And I have a lot of deficits. Everything on the left side of my body is still affected. Everything from my vision to how I hear to um, muscle tone and the ability to, you know, sometimes I fall still when I walk. Well, I have a lot. I went through a lot of therapy. And in fact, this last summer was the first summer that I was able to you know, go on walks and kind of do some daily activity. That's it's taken this long. And it's taken 10 years. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Yeah. And what's the prognosis? What is it going to continue to get better or this is the way it's going to be? Or? It's interesting because we, there's so much about the brain that we don't understand. And I remember when I had my stroke, you know, I was at one point paralyzed on 50% of my body completely and had lost consciousness and, um, you know, and I had fortunately a great team of doctors, but you know, the consensus is sometimes where you are at six months is where you will be, where you are at a year is where, where you will be. And I, that hasn't been true for me. I, my healing has continued, even though there are things that will never be obviously the way right. they should be and the way that they would have been. Um, you know, it's a long process. It's a long healing process. And what are the uh, thought about maybe having another stroke? Is that a fear you might live with day to day? It's a fear. Once you, I mean, you're, as a woman, you're more likely to die of a stroke than you are of breast cancer. And once you have a stroke statistically, yes, you are more likely to have another stroke. And I, I have what's called a PFO, which is a hole in my heart, which is not uncommon. One in four people have it. And sometimes that there's a correlation between having this and a blood clot being able to travel up to your brain. So it's, it's definitely a fear. It's definitely something that, you know, you live with for sure. In in the heart situation, if you had that fixed or can they fix that? You know, there have been, the, the data is not, you know, there have been trials done and I was a candidate to have a, the closure and um, I chose not to do that. And that ended up, um, proving to be a good thing in my case. Um, this incident of a secondary stroke was higher when they had it closed. So you're wow. kind of stuck between, you know, close it and risk a second stroke or leave it open and risk a second stroke. So right. slow but sure, your life comes back. And, and the boy, you have three boys. I have three boys uh, yeah. and my husband. And that's the thing. Stroke doesn't just affect the, the person who had a stroke. Yeah, my point. It affects my whole family. And, and you know, my my sweet husband has been there for me and my children. And, and it's been, it's, you know, there's so much involved when you have a major life crisis like this. You have, 
so many aspects of what healing looks like and what how it affects your life and your family. Well, congratulations on where you are right now and continued success. And we'll talk some more here, but I want to get back to Dr. Benjamin Atchie. He's a member of the neurovascular team at Swedish Medical Center. And, of course, Marianne Moore, who you do, or you just talked to, is a, a stroke survivor. And what Marianne talked about, Doc, that's fairly common. Oh, that's yeah, that's all too common. So generally the recovery period uh, for these patients is a lifelong process. Um, and it entails you know, a team of dedicated experts, usually in the acute phase, of rehab, gaining strength back. But it doesn't end there. You know, you have to go home. Um, many patients are dealing with a, a form of post-traumatic stress disorder and have to seek counseling to to recover from that. Um, but there's no end to the recovery process. Um, it really is a lifelong journey um, to get back to normal. And do most people ever get back to normal? It depends on the um, how quickly they receive treatment, um, which is an important factor in, in trying to reverse the the damage that the stroke is 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 doing, as well as um, um, just you know the size of the initial stroke and where that stroke occurred. And there are different kinds of strokes. In fact, Marianne was talking about hers. Why don't you get into that a little bit? And people and the some of the symptoms that might go with that particular stroke, so they're aware. Right. So the most common form of stroke is the uh, ischemic stroke, which is the blockage of the blood vessel and. And the signs and symptoms of that type of stroke are probably best um, summated in the FAST acronym. So F stands for facial droop or facial numbness. Um, A is for arm. So arm could be uh, weakness or numbness in, in one side or both of your, of, uh, your extremities, and that includes the legs too. Um, S is for speech. So if you've lost the ability to, to talk or to understand speech or if you're slurring your speech, those are all signs and symptoms of stroke. And then T, of course, is uh, uh, stands for time, um, and it's time to call 911 and, and seek immediate care. And in your case, Marianne, you admit that they didn't get you in quick enough? I mean, you were sitting, as you said, in the emergency room, like waiting to be taken care of. Don't yeah. they just expedite that when you come in with a stroke? Well, or yeah. they think a stroke? Yeah. yeah. So um, there are some overlapping symptoms with stroke and other, other diseases like seizures, Um and so for some patients who don't fit the uh, prototype for a stroke patient, it can often be confusing, and that can lead to a delayed diagnosis. And Marianne, what were you thinking when you were sitting there? I mean, it had to be frightening. I can't even imagine. Horrifying. It, it's the best way I could describe it is like drowning in your own body when you've ever seen a scary movie and, you know, maybe someone's paralyzed and they're drowning in a bathtub. That's sure. what... It was like, and, and it's interesting because in 10 years, a lot has been done for um, diagnosing stroke and treating stroke as well. And the American Heart Association has been instrumental in that in Colorado, and they helped um, pass legislation that did change the care um, for potential stroke um, victims and and heart attack as well. So that's been, that's been critical. And if, you know, I'm I'm thankful for the people who have had strokes before me that I had better sure. care because of that and and you know I I hope that I've helped in some way bringing awareness to local hospitals here that stroke looks different yeah. than you know maybe what the textbook says it looks like. Have you talked to a lot of medical people about what we're talking about now and mm -hmm. what your symptoms are like and maybe we should have done this kind of thing? I have. And it's interesting because anytime I do any kind of stroke awareness, it's always something that is so emotional for me, obviously, and sure, for my family. Sure. And a day that I almost lost everything. 
And it's so important to do because I am so thankful for the work that has been done before I had a stroke to, you know, save my life and to improve my outcome. So I do feel a sense of responsibility, but, but, you know, and, and people who go into the medical field, they go into the medical field to help people. And they're always, they're so supportive and they're so um, appreciative of a different perspective and also the patient perspective as well, because it's a very long process, not just, I mean, I, I myself was in speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and then, and, you know, I couldn't be left alone for a year. I couldn't, I couldn't raise my own children. Well, how difficult was that? Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine. And I can see the emotion now. I, I, as a dad, I, I I wouldn't know. I wouldn't even know what to say. Right. And you've, you've, you're strong. Thank you. (laughs) Obviously very strong. Doc, are strokes more common in certain kinds of people? And I don't mean like age groups, because I think a lot of people might associate a stroke with, oh, he's 65 years old. He's, but obviously in Marianne's case, not true. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, age is probably one of the most important factors in your risk of, of stroke. Um, generally, we we see strokes in patients who are 60, 65 years and older. Um, that seems to be the most common age age group, but can it, happen, it can happen in anybody. We've treated uh, patients who have had strokes as young as nine years old at, uh, at our hospital. Um, so it really depends on what the underlying cause is. For most people who, who lead a, an average life, um, you know, things that you can do to, to modify your stroke risks are high blood pressure. So if you have high blood pressure, your risk of having a stroke is higher. If you have an irregular heartbeat, your, your risk is higher. Um, and so we advocate um, you know, trying to control those things as much as possible, seeing your doctor, that sort of thing. But there are other causes that are a little more unusual and sometimes undiagnosed until you have a stroke, and that can occur in any age group. Can you give us an example of that? I mean, if somebody's sitting out there going, wow, I, I have arthritis. Sure. Does arthritis lead to a stroke? I don't right. know. No. Um, so there are some um, blood disorders that can make you hypercoagulable, and what that means is your blood is a little bit thicker than normal. Um, and often that can be hereditary, or you can be born that way um, um, randomly, sporadically. And that can put you at a higher risk of having a stroke at any age group. And so often those patients will get blood clots in their body, and often that's in a vein. Um, but in certain circumstances, such as Marianne's, that, that blood clot can travel from the vein to the artery and go to the brain. And how fast does that happen? In a day, weeks, months? So the, the blood clot, if that's the cause of the stroke, usually forms over the course of time, maybe a week or a month or so. But the stroke is, is usually instant. Um, and then over the matter of minutes, um, the damage starts to occur. About every every minute or so, um, nearly 2 million neurons can, can die if they're deprived of oxygen. Wow. So time is absolutely critical. Getting to the hospital, receiving the appropriate treatment. Um, there are certain time windows for, for the various types of treatments for strokes, and it's very important to get not only to um, um, – to, to the to a hospital, but to the right hospital, so that you can um, get those types of treatment. I read where the people involved with nine one one and the people that come, the emergency people, mm-hmm. are much more educated about strokes than they were ten years ago. Is that true? That is true. Well, up to about ten years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of treatment available, um, other than putting you in the hospital and then getting you to rehab. Uh, but now there are there are different ways to treat stroke. So there's a medication called TPA, which is a tissue plasminogen active, activator that um, thins the blood. It's a, it's a little bit like a clot buster um, that you can receive if you get to the hospital within um, usually three hours, but up to four and a half hours in some cases. 
And there's a new treatment now, too, that um, we can actually go into the blood vessel and, and try to uh, retrieve the blood clot uh, mechanically. Um, and you have up to 24 hours to do that, too. And those are all very new treatments, particularly the intervention treatments only been around for about three years. Did you have any kind of advanced treatment, Marianne, when you went from the restaurant to the uh, hospital? I didn't. I I I did eventually um, get um, transferred to Swedish, and I did. I was um, no longer a candidate for the treatment that was available because my stroke at that point had been going on for seven hours, and um, you know, and 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 I'm I'm thankful to obviously be here. I'm thankful that the lack of treatment didn't. Um, affect me more than it has, which is sure. a tremendous amount. But um, but I think also being healthy, I think being healthy and, and being in charge of your health, you know, you can't always prevent, obviously, events like a stroke, but being healthy in the first place, I, I credit a lot of my healing to, to um, being healthy in the first place, not being a smoker, being somebody who is active and fit. And that's a good way for me to segue into another question, because sure. I was just thinking, yeah. can you prevent a stroke? I mean, and is it what Marianne Orr just talked about, the fact that I'm in pretty good shape. That's going to help me fight the battle? Absolutely, yeah. I think the, the condition you're in when you go into having a stroke, if that is the um, unfortunate circumstance you find yourself in, is certainly going to help you on the other end with recovery. The things that you can do to modify your stroke risk, obviously we can't uh, prevent ourselves from getting older, um, but we can um, um, don't we. Uh, recommend that we don't smoke so um, we can uh, choose to avoid smoking. We can try to control our blood pressure as much as possible, take the medications that were prescribed um, as directed. Um, we can eat a, a healthy diet and, and I think um, activity too is, is another important um, aspect. So um, daily exercise is one thing that can uh, certainly minimize the, your risk of stroke. It seems so true that with almost any ailment now, if you take care of yourself, if you right. eat properly, and if you exercise and you stay healthy, that's probably the number one item or items you can do to fight the battle. Absolutely. So take heed, my friends. Yes. Take care of yourself. Anything else that you can do uh, to prevent a stroke or if there's a history in your family, do you make your doctors more aware of that? Or you should be more aware of that. That is it genetic. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're finding more often that things are genetic, um, particularly when it comes to vascular disease. So if you have a history of stroke in the family, it certainly behooves you to get uh, some routine checkups to make sure that your blood pressure, again, is okay. Um, there are certain imaging um, techniques that they can do that can look at your carotid arteries to make sure that they're um, not developing atherosclerosis, which might put you at a higher risk for stroke. In fact, I just had that done, an ultrasound on the exactly. carotids. And, you know, they're not the perfect, but they're far from being dangerous. Right. But I never thought, oh, is that important? Did you have that done, Marianne, ahead of time? I didn't, no. And I have no family history of stroke. I have no no, um, risk factors prior to having a stroke. I had no risk factors other than the undiagnosed PFO, which I didn't know about until the stroke, but... So I have, I have, you know, I didn't have a headache. I didn't have um, the, the... it doesn't look for me like it looks like for a lot of people. So, doctor, are Marianne's children now? Are they? Should they be more aware as they grow into adults that it could happen? Yeah, I, I would say no. I mean, I think you know everybody has a stroke risk. Unfortunately, nobody's risk of having a stroke is zero, um, and it only gets higher as you get older. And if you have um, the cause of the stroke um, well determined, um, then it depends on what that cause is. 
as we touched on earlier, there are some genetic uh, predisposition, predisposing causes to stroke, like sure. um, hypercoagulable diseases, that if you were diagnosed with, then absolutely your children should get checked out. But a PFO is common, so that's not something necessarily to, to and, look into. And there are medications that cause stroke that, that elevate your stroke risk, like birth control for women. Oh, that's a good point. If you are taking an oral birth control, um, you know, that that causes stroke for a lot of women, for a lot of young women. And, I, you know, I know there are other medications as well that carry a stroke risk. And you view statistics very differently when you are the one in whatever the numbers are. You view it differently. But, but you know, at 32, non-smoker, fit. So Never it's thought a about real it. thing. That's mm-hmm. a real. Are there other meds, common meds that people take that could be a risk? Well, <clears throat> so the other form of stroke is a bleeding type of stroke. And so any blood thinner technically would put you at risk of having that type of stroke. Um, that's That type of stroke, the treatment, um, obviously, for those are a little bit different. Um, and uh, it's just something to be cognizant of. Often when we put p- patients on those blood thinning medications, it's a risk versus reward ratio, you know, um, analysis that we have to make. So we understand that there's a little bit of a risk of, of any kind of bleeding when you're on those medications, but um, it's often it's often outweighed by the benefit. Obviously, yeah, for sure. Uh, tomorrow's World Stroke Day, and we are with Dr. Benjamin Atchie, a member of the neurovascular team at Swedish Medical Center and stroke survivor Marianne Orr to make you aware of what could and might happen to you at most any age. And we're going to repeat. I'd like to go through that acronym fast again so sure. people are aware. It's easy to remember, but it's very crucial. Would you not yeah, agree? Yeah, this is absolutely important. So only about a third of Americans actually recognize the sign and symptoms of stroke. So um, to go over this again, so so FAST is the acronym. F stands for face. Um, so any asymmetry in your face, a crooked smile, facial numbness, um, a stands for arm, so weakness or numbness in one arm or both arms, and that includes legs as well. So um, S stands for speech, so if you have difficulty talking, difficulty understanding what people are telling you, slurred speech, those are all signs and symptoms that you're having a stroke. And then T is one of the most important um, uh, letters in the acronym, which stands for time, and it's time to call 911 and get to the hospital. And not only should you be aware of that for yourself, but how about People around you, right. people you work with, family members, if you recognize the signs, you might save their life. Absolutely. I mean, most people who are having a stroke either don't recognize that they're having a stroke or are unable to pick up the phone and call 911. So most often when we see stroke patients, they're brought in uh, by someone else. So it's very important that everybody is understanding what the signs and symptoms right, of stroke right. are. And Marianne, you probably didn't know that when you were 32 years old. I mean, we're, we're just, oh, that'll go away. It, it, or does that even enter your mind when you're going through that? You know, I, had, I, I saw an interview with Jill Bolt Taylor, who is a neuroscientist who had a stroke. I just happened to see an interview maybe a couple of weeks prior to my stroke. And um, so I did know that. And, and when I was at the restaurant, you know, it did take a long time for that to process. It took some time to figure out why am I just not recovering from whatever this little thing is that I'm experiencing. Right. I had never fainted before, so I thought maybe I was just, you know, you just think it's going to go away. Yes, you do. And um, when I fell on a table full of, of people eating dinner, I, you know, horrifying how it was so 
mortifying for me, but you know, obviously I was having this medical event and I said, fortunately the man that I fell on was a paramedic. And I said, um, I think I'm having a stroke. And he said, I think you're right. And, but again, the hospital that I was originally sent to was not prepared for a 32 year old coming in and presenting as a stroke. So it took a lot of hours and for them to finally diagnose me. And then I was sent to Swedish, but, and I had amazing care there. I was in the intensive um, care unit there at Swedish and then um, followed up with therapy. But I had to learn how to walk. I had to learn how to read. I had to learn how to read and be able to follow directions. It was very intensive. And, and, And every day of my life is therapy. Everything that I do, I try to be mindful to use my left hand that doesn't want to be used. I have every moment of my life or the rest of my life is going to be mindful therapy. You have to push every day, every day. Yep. Never give up. Never. And you have not, I can tell. I can tell by (laughs) looking in your eyes. You you got the battle in there. I can tell you that's tough. And is every recovery process, doctor, like what Marianne's going through? Is it different for everybody? Well, it is different for everybody. You know, the signs um, and symptoms of stroke can vary um, between patients. And so depending on the the disability that they they have, their recovery is going to look a little bit different. But I think the similar thread between all these patients is that it's hard work. Um, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it from um, our side of the of, of the picture. Um, but but the patient also has to put in a lot of work, and it's a lifelong it's a lifelong process. It's a it's a very long journey. And you have to have support. And Marianne, it sounds like you've got a pretty good support system. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, recovery statistics are you know over and over show again that people with the best outcomes are people who have care and have people in the home that are there to take care of them because, you know, just like any event, not long after the event, people think you're better and you're really not. You might look better, but you're really not. And having support, emotional support, spiritual support is vital for recovering from something like that. And how long did it take you to feel like you were comfortable around other people? that you could get back into that part of your life and with maybe friends easier because they understood, but going back to a restaurant. Well, it's funny because, you know, even I thought I was better and then I would not remember um, dates or, or I still can't. I still have a lot of problem with numbers in particular, but, it, you know, it's, it's it was a learning process for, for me, for my family, for my friends. It was a learning process because, you know, you just... It's a very difficult thing to understand if you haven't been through a closed head injury or some kind of traumatic health event like that, because there are so many aspects of your life. And I've learned this talking to other stroke survivors that it's not even something you can articulate necessarily um, well, because there are so many things throughout the day that you just are reminded of, oh, yes, that's right. You know, and so it's it's something that impacts every single aspect of your life. Every single aspect. It's a real awareness for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, Doc, maybe you can talk a little more about this. It is World uh, Stroke Day tomorrow. What's going on? Is there any special events that we should be aware of or just people just be aware of what we're talking about? Yeah, I think think the goal is to to create awareness and some some buzz to get the message out to people so that people are um, cognizant of the signs and symptoms of stroke. And um, because time is so sensitive, 
we want everybody to know what to do and if they're in the unfortunate situation where they find themselves or a loved one having a stroke. Is there some place we can go to get more information? Obviously, there's got to be a website. Absolutely, yeah. You know. So um, if you go to the American Heart Association's website, so it's www.strokeassociation.org, um, we'll, help, we'll link you to some more information about stroke and stroke awareness and um, helping yourself um, just be more aware of stroke. Any final words from you, Marianne, to people out there that uh, think, oh, that'll never happen to me? Well, I hope it doesn't. And if you find yourself in a position where it has, just know that healing continues your whole life and never, never, never stop giving up. Never stop fighting. Yeah. Yeah. That's sound words from a woman who's doing it right now. She's doing the battle. And one more time, Doc, I'm going to have you repeat fast before we wrap up. We want people to remember this. Yeah, absolutely. So FAST, um, the acronym for Signs and Symptoms of Stroke. Um, F stands for face, so facial drooping, asymmetry uh, of of your face or facial weakness, um, facial numbness. Um, A stands for arm, so arm weakness, arm numbness on one or both sides of your body, and that includes um, legs too. Um, S stands for speech, so slurred speech, difficulty talking or understanding what people are telling you. Um, and T stands for time because this is a time critical uh, condition that if you get to the hospital quickly, um, there are a lot of treatments that are available now. Um, but it's um, important that you call nine one one and seek that care as soon as possible. And be aware of it not just for yourself, but again for people around you. Because as we said earlier, you could probably save a life. Well, Doctor Ben Atchie, member of the neurovascular team at Swedish Medical Center, thank you for coming in today. Thank you, and you, Marianne Orr, for sharing your story, which I could tell was extremely difficult, and but you've made people aware, and it's not a simple process. I'm grateful for the chance. Well, thank you both for coming in today, and that's uh, Mile High Magazine for this Sunday. I am Murphy Houston, and we will talk to you again next week right here on your favorite radio station.